greeting everybody and uh, welcome back to another episode of our uh, localization fireside channel my name is robin ayub i'm the founder of the channel and uh for our relatively young uh channel has given me the opportunity and given the audience the opportunity to talk listen and learn from great thought leaders in our industry professionals business leaders to tell their intriguing stories and be it on the localization side or general business stories and discuss trends, technology, process, and also discuss some challenges that they face during their personal lives and in uh, building their business careers, et cetera, and the innovations that, they, uh, that we encounter in our business lives and in our personal lives that impact us uh, positively or negatively. So if you have not done so already, I really invite you to subscribe to the channel, connect with us, interact with our content, and join our various channels. We exist on all of uh, your favorite audio podcast and YouTube channels. So feel free to join us, comment, share, like our content. Today, I'm honored and uh, to have with me my guest, friend, and colleagues worked together before, uh, <laughs> Kristen Gutierrez. Kristen, welcome to the channel. Kristen is a recognized expert in sales and leadership strategy as a best-selling author, author, and she wrote the book on Be a Better. And I recently downloaded the book and I started browsing through it uh, since last night. I read a couple of chapters. It's an excellent book from what I've read so far. Uh, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on um, uh, being named uh, the best-selling author, which is, which is absolute honor. And also internationally uh, recognized individual in terms of thought leaders. You've received many awards in that in that category. You've been working with Fortune 500 companies for many years. Kristen, welcome to the channel. Welcome to the episode. Happy to have you with me. And I can't wait to dive into the conversation together. Good to see you, by the way, after so many years. Ah, right. Robin, thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor to be here. I'm so thrilled. Robin and I worked together at Lionbridge. I don't know. I should have looked it up like 20, 2012-ish, I think maybe, um, for a couple of years. So it's really incredible to have seen your journey evolve. And I'm just, um, thank you so much for like all of the accolades that you provided me in the introduction, because um, it's really been an exciting it's really been an exciting three months, but really the last 20 years I've learned so much. So I can't wait to share. So um, the way, you know, we say on this channel, everybody's got a story and I, and every one of them has an intriguing story for me getting into an industry, you know, being on a plane ride for two hours, ended up in an industry I didn't know existed. And so, I mean, I've, I've said this story many times on this channel. So for you, what is your story? How did you get in the localization industry? And you have a very interesting one that I can't wait to hear. You have a very interesting story in terms of getting into the industry and then achieving something to go on your own, to do something really uh, excellent and great uh, after what you've learned. Uh, I love to get the in story and the exit story, I guess, if, that's, if there's such thing. <laughs> yes, because there are now two pivotal stories um, to my well, career thus far. Um, the first one is I graduated college in 2004 and I worked two quasi-interestingly dead-end jobs 
selling yellow page advertising that might not even exist anymore. And also working retail where I had a boss that was just a massive micromanager to somebody who at the Saks Fifth Avenue, Michigan Avenue, Chicago flagship store was opening the most number of credit cards store-wide months and months in a row. I was being micromanaged about. So I needed a new job. I needed a real job. I needed something, right? I had just graduated. I'm like, what is, what is happening? And I stumbled into, I did everything you were coached not to do back then, which has plastered my resume everywhere. And so grateful for Lori and HR and Elise, my first boss at then SDL, now known as RWS, who brought me in as an experimental inside sales rep. Um, and that's kind of my in because obviously, you know, right. We all kind of come in. Some of us are just thrown in. Right. And so that's cool that you and I have similar stories where we didn't go get degrees and all the other amazing ways that people enter this industry. Um, so yeah, I was 2005 SDL's first inside sales now kind of called business development rep lead generator. I was the first for that. And it just so happened I was really good at it. <laughs> and so in um, three and a half, like in the span of three and a half years, like two and a half years in, I was promoted to manager of global inside sales. And I was flying to the headquarters in the UK multiple times a year training my sales team who, you know, I'm female, I'm young. I just told you I graduated college not too long before that. I was managing these older, mature men, right? And there wasn't a handbook that was given to me as to how to be a manager of inside sales because the role never existed. And so I had to, that's kind of where the premise of the book, right? Is like, I had to figure out my own way and I didn't want to have to be like leading the charge in that regard, but I figured out that if I put processes in place, if I was compassionate, if I was human, if I learned how to manage my manager and all these other concepts we can talk about later is that then I was both successful in my role and had a team culture that was really thriving, which meant they did better and then I did better. And so it was very self-reciprocating. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the industry and a little bit of like what it was like the first few years. So, okay, so now that you're in the industry and, you know, 2004, 2005, and uh, when, what year did you, um, you mentioned in, uh, in one of uh, the comments that I've seen online that you've, um, uh, you were let go from uh, that last job because of changes in the organization, not because you've done anything wrong. Um, so what year was that? Well, <laughs> that was April 17th, 2023. So depending on when people are watching this episode, it's basically August, end of July, 2023 right now. So four, three, four months ago, I was let go. Yeah. And so have you done any thinking while you were still in the industry as to, you know, big people ask this, you know, questions around, you know, I've, you know, you, and I've seen some of your posts, which it's, you know, you speak in everybody's mind, I guess, in this case. So, you know, when people have this question in their mind, they're contemplating the answer to it. And the question is, I must have something bigger out there to do. You know, there's something bigger out there waiting for me, but we don't know what that is. And you talk about clarity, you talk about, you know, trying to figure out what you want, where do you want to go? And you seem to have crystallized all this. And it cannot be crystallized over the past three months. You must have 
figured it out before, you know, if you were to, if I was, I don't want to keep saying it, but to be let go of your job. Is that true? Or is there a process that you went through? How did you get to that where you are now from you were in the industry to where you are? Is it like a span of three months? I can't believe that. That's amazing. Well, um, it, it happened in 2022. So it happened a year ago. I was trying, like many vendor side PMs and sales reps and operational directors, I was trying to make my way to the client side. I had worked um, for a year under Anna Schlegel and Bridget O'Brien, Edith Bendermacher, and the whole team at NetApp. I had taken a, a, a pivot from my W-2 job selling translation services to work inside their globalization team leading communications. And it was by design meant to be temporary. And I had just had my first baby and I realized I really needed like the full salary and all the things, right? And they didn't have a role for me. And so I came back, transitioned back. Actually, then I came to ULG. So I was really happy, right? Um, but ever since then, I was like, wow, I am really, and and listen, I loved being a vendor and I loved being a salesperson, but like, how do I leverage all of this experience that I learned in a very short amount of time at NetApp? How do I get back onto the client side? And so just being involved in women in localization, right? I had made a lot of friends, people in high places, and I started looking around. And so true story goes in 2022, I was in, I'm not going to say specifics, but I was interviewing at like, well, I'll just say like Meta. I, I really was like, I was interviewing at a division of Meta and it was a four month long grueling just because of all the prep. If you've ever interviewed at a tech company like that, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's like blog posts and whole websites dedicated to like how to ace those interviews. So it was, it took four months and ultimately I was second to last candidate, but I didn't get the job. And I was devastated because I was convinced that if I could get into Meta, I could become Chris Cox. And he was then the COO. Now he's like the chief people, I'm, I'm chief product officer, right? I knew, I like innately, I was like, I can do this, right? So I that opportunity was taken away from me by not getting the job. And I was like, what do I do now? And so it was kind of like, I'm chasing, chasing, chasing this idea that I want to be like these incredible leaders in the, on the client side in our industry, right? When I realized that I should lean in to, this is where the clarity and the purpose came from. I should lean into the purpose, mm -hmm. my expertise, the sales, the leadership. And I sought out a mentor who could coach me on finding my purpose and gaining clarity on it in order to monetize and feel more fulfilled than I ever have. I'm so grateful to the universe that I was let go April 17th because, you know, it wasn't personal. And ultimately, even if it was like, they pushed me off a ledge. So I didn't have to jump. And it's crazy because I also was not prepared <laughs> and there's a whole lot of like backstory there, but like, I was not financially prepared to not have a job and I just leaned all the way in. So in October of last year, I bought mentorship and I spent a lot of money learning how from people who had been there before me, how to identify my purpose, how to get really crystal clear on it, and then how to 
like, you know, tunnel vision focus on one thing to monetize. And that started to look like consulting, language services providers, on sales, sales leaderships, and executive strategy, right? And now it has evolved in a very short amount of time. But that's kind of the backstory is I was I was chasing one thing when I realized I should lean in to this thing. And then I paid for a lot of mentorship to help get me to where I am. Absolutely. And you know, you bring up a very good point is that um, when we are in a position where we are right now, especially on the sales and business development side, we're not in an operational mode where or a job where you only think in one um, single instance, if you're a project manager or you're um, uh, you know, an engineer or whatever you are. If you are in a business, you're exposed to many companies, many possibilities, many conversations. So when you decide to make a step like this, I'm assuming the, the ideas in your mind is like a ping pong table. So, I mean, you know, there's just like everywhere, they're bouncing everywhere. And, you know, I've struggled with this and I actually, I'm talking to a few people right now that they went through this and I've got a couple more episodes on the same topic where people were telling me like, I had to get, you know, definition, a clear definition of how, who am I? What am, how do I package myself as an expertise? I've got a lot to offer. I've learned a lot over the years. Somebody must be able to, make sense of it and apply it in their business. But how do I bring it to those individual in their businesses? How do I get paid for it? How much? How do I market it? Who is my customer? Who are my my customers? Where do I, where do I target? Uh, top, bottom, middle uh, of the business industry, uh, et cetera. What industries do I go after? Those are big questions. And you cannot be everybody to every, you cannot be one solution to everybody. You have to focus. You got to get, get it right. And, and I, you seem to have done that. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. But you hit on all of the points, right? Which is you have to get clear. You have to identify just like in sales for LSP world, like you have to identify your niche market, or in that case, sometimes it's assigned to you. Hey, Kristen, you're calling on the software vertical in six states. Or when I met you, it was like, I had carved out the market research space for Lionbridge, right? So like, what is your what is your niche? And then who is your avatar within the niche? And then going, 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 going. And then, and then, yeah, you're right. As an entrepreneur, it's so exciting because it, you, you really like, you need to be clear and you need to be focused because otherwise we'll chase your tail all day long. And you're like, oh, I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. And one thing I don't do is focus on my branding or my sell pages or anything that's not making me money right now. That stuff is very important and it will come, right? But like I'm focusing on monetization because that's what I that's what I need to do to keep the roof over my family's head. So which brings us to another question which everybody is uh, you know gets really anxious and develop sometimes some anxieties about it. and I know a lot of people that were employee and that they they, they made they made the jump to become to become an entrepreneur is that uh, the you know a uh, they're they they're leaving some sort of like a the comfort zone if you will you know the the regular paycheck the, the job that protected them or gave them the life that they had for the past however many years and they're moving to the unpredictability of being an entrepreneur there's a pros and cons to everything in this life right so you get the freedom you get to to, just, to make your own decision as an entrepreneur you get to make your you know, chart your own territory, if you will, and your and your road, how you want to drive your your company or your business, because you become the company. The, it's it's you who now, you know, Kristen.com is the company. I'm, I'm just comparing it to a dot-com company, but it could be anything really. And then uh, to take this and uh, from that, from what you were as, a, as an employee to where you are right now, 
Hey, I have two questions. One is that bridging, you know, you must have had some gap where you were not making money and you have a family, you know, how do you, how did you deal with that? And the second, the second one is, are you happier now? Which is a very, very important question that everybody asks. Given to what you know right now, would you have done this sooner? Uh, would you have waited till now? I mean, everything comes with with pros and cons, as I mentioned earlier. I'll answer the second question first. I thank the universe every single day. I have never been happier or more fulfilled. It's truly a blessing. It is a ginormous blessing in disguise. I get the chills. I'm so excited. I'm showing up here. I told you before we started recording, I'm sick actually right now, but just like talking to you and talking to my client this morning, and actually I block Fridays off by kind of a rule. I make obviously exceptions and I block eight to nine off and I call it mental health in my calendar. Um, I've started walking. I've, I've started doing so many things that in a previous W2 role, you felt compelled to be always on. Is your team's notification green? Has it been like whatever, yellow for too long? Does it look like you're away? Like, does your boss know? Do they care? Like, it's so stressful, right? So now I've like taken all of that stress out. And so thank you for asking. I've never been happier. Um, to address the first question, okay, hopefully this inspires us all, right? As humans, we seek comfort. We seek comfort in when the thing that happened for me on April 17th, when at 10 a.m., when my CEO came on with HR and said, Kristen, unfortunately, we moving in another direction and we have to end this relationship. It we seek comfort. So most people in those times, or or not, not what not what I did, but a lot of people, comfort you can seek from watching a show, from taking a nap, from working out, from binge eating, binge watching, wrapping up in a blanket. I don't know. You can see comfort a lot of ways. I sought comfort in action. And so honestly, I have not gone a day without pay. I landed my first client at 2 p.m. So I got fired at 10 a.m. I got, I landed my first client at 2 p.m. I never stopped moving and taking the initiative is actually something that I'm super passionate about keynote speaking on and empowering audiences to really understand like how to break down the act of act action, like taking action and putting the steps forward, you know, so that when things like this happen that are very suffocating, right? And like, we can talk about the financial distress that potentially I was facing with having purchased my grandparents' house and all of this money we poured into renovation that we didn't have, that I was planning to cash out refinance with my W-2. And when they fired me, the biggest impact was they took away my ability to cash out refi, plain and simple, right? And so what was I going to do to keep my that home and to keep the roof over my head? So I sought comfort in action. And it's been so like transformational that having been on the phone and emails and LinkedIn and just doing the thing that I knew how to do as a salesperson, but even if you don't come from sales background, just asking for help, asking for suggestions, hearing people out and not festering in resentment, right? Because nobody wants to hear the story of like, woe is me, 
especially right now. I mean, everyone is being let go for better or for worse, right? Like it's I mean, really tragic. Big transformation right now. Economy is going through transformations. I mean, yeah. uh, I talk to people who are working in the, um, in the uh, resource-based industry and those industries are just not going to make it, I guess, for the next decade or two. And people are trying to either retire, exit, or try to transform their lives and try to figure out how to do other things in their lives than just work in the resource-based industry. So that's great. I mean, where you where you are right now, how you, uh, and, and I agree with you 100%, inaction is the enemy. If you don't do anything, that's time wasted, life wasted, et cetera. So you got to do something. And, you know, <clears throat> and I'm at an age right now where, you know, people start asking me, like, when are you retired? I'm looking at them. I'm thinking, well, are you crazy? I'll never retire. You, I mean, that's, I'm one of those guys, probably I'll work till I drop. Uh, but the, and, and it's driven by the excitement, the adrenaline that comes from, and I'm assuming you, you share the same view that comes from that conversation that every day that I have with other people that keeps me, keeps my mind like once more, I want to hear more. I want to talk to more people because that's drives me forward because I'm either, you know, enabling a solution or enabling some sort of a, a conversation that helps somebody else with that conversation. And it's helping me too, because it's a two-way conversation. Like who, you know, we all went through COVID. Who wants to be, you know, sitting in a bubble, not talking to anybody and just exchanging IMs all day. I mean, that's okay. So you do that for a few, few months if you're stuck on an Island, but at the end of the day, we're human. We're built to connect with others. Am I correct? Oh my goodness. I just had lunch with an industry leader in Santa Barbara, like two weeks ago. And it was such a simple act of sharing a meal that brought me so much joy. And to your point, exactly. Right. And listen, for those who may not know, Robin, the king of networking and personal, like personable connections. Like, I mean, I will, and you know exactly what I'm going to say. I will never forget the conference we went to a short time after I started reporting into you. And I was like, whoa, like I thought I was a good networker. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. I remember that one. And, and I remember, um, I can't remember the city we were in, but I do remember the conversations we've had in that conference, in that conference, because it's many years ago now. And uh, yes, you're right. And, you know, I'm, I don't talk about these types of things on my channel a lot often. Maybe I should. Uh, one of the things is like, I, um, I pride myself on is building a network and talking to people and getting to know them on a personal level. And so as everybody else should do that, they're not just a transaction, they're a human being. And I've said this before, and I continue saying it, even after people retire, who I've came, became in contact with, they're no longer in any industry. There is no, as a salesperson, there is no reason for me to be in touch with anybody uh, mm -hmm. that they retire or they exit the industry for some, or, or any, you know, they exit business for some reason, one or another. I'm still in touch with those individuals. I'm still you know, get into, uh, you know, do lunches with them, go out there, have, have fun with them. In some cases, I've got one individual who I um, train on being a photographer. Everybody knows that I'm a hobby photographer. I train on being a photographer while he was my customer. I continue sharing tips with him and going out on field trips after they retire. So it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, it doesn't, you know, I keep telling people like people are people at the end of the day, human are human. They're not going to buy from robots. Maybe you go on Amazon and buy from whatever, you know, but at the end of the day, if you're doing something serious, a serious transaction with somebody, I'm not talking about buying small item on Amazon. If you're talking about an item that, you know, you agree with that too, because we've worked together so many years is that 
people buy from people at the end of the day and people want to buy from people who trust. And if they don't trust, I mean, you can't earn trust by just walking to somebody and say, hey, trust me. It, it, it develops over time. And this is very, very important at the end of the day. Well, my saying for years was people buy from people they know, like, and trust. So now as of this moment, I'm going to credit you obviously, for having given me that concept. And it was Montreal. We were in Montreal. I do remember. I do remember. Or at least for one of them, we were in Montreal. But yeah, people buy from people we know, like, and trust. And so your job, whether you're in sales or operations or you're an entrepreneur, is to bridge the gap between I don't know you and I don't trust you. And how do you get there? And, you know, obviously the philosophy goes is to be human, right? It's to your point, just be human. And, you know, one of the things is like, uh, you know, everybody like I'm talking about pre-COVID, a lot of people attended conferences. They met many people. Um, they probably forgot who they met last year and they go to the next conference and they probably, you know, they need to be reintroduced. Uh, you know, also God blessed me with a, um, a very good memory. I don't take notes, but I do remember. And I remember one time, um, similar conference, I don't know if that was the same conference, I had somebody with me from one of our uh, staff was with me. And a uh, we had a little booth and people were coming into the booth. And I remember, you know, naming people by names, telling them like, because they told me those stories like a year ago. And they're telling me like about their families, about their kids, and I'm reciting those stories back to them. And the individual with me says, do you remember all this? And I, yep, I do, I do remember them. Because it's important to remember them. It is important to you, you remember it. If it's not important, you'll forget it. Yeah, yeah really impressive. So speaking of that, uh, now, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. If you can tell us a little bit about your services, who is your audience, maybe this channel and this uh, conversation here will help you in the future. And that's the aim of this. Um, what do you like? Who do you who do you like to be the next customer for you? Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Robin. Um, so right now it's two. There's like two avenues, right? Um, so my niche is our industry, and I have onboarded a zoo. I have worked with a zoo. I have a current client that's a cannabis client. Um, it's a very young industry from a professional sales perspective, so they have a lot of need in that industry. But my niche. My, my true niche is localization services providers, coaching on sales strategy, sales leadership, and then executive engagement or alignment. And every, every client relationship looks a little different, as you could imagine, because as you're selling translation services to all these big clients, right? Are you approaching them with MT or with LQA services or translation or transcreation and everything in between, right? So I let my clients tell me what they need and then I let them know if I can serve them and what that might look like, right? So for sure, I work in a retainer model with LSPs. Typically the CEO is my point of contact. And then depending on how the relationship is set up, we're doing a few things with various members of their team. So that's super exciting. Um, within that, I do a lot of workshops. Sometimes the workshops are part of the engagement and sometimes like the zoo or other clients have brought me in just to do a workshop. And those workshops can look like um, passion project workshops or just like time management. It really depends on what the client needs. This um, 
as I've evolved in a very short amount of time with like leaning into my purpose and learning how to monetize, right? And go from an unfulfilled state in my current role. You mentioned some of my social media posts, right? So like truly, uh, I always, I loved my job. Like anybody who talked to me would know that I loved my last job and I've loved working in the industry. So it's nothing against that. If you ask Allison McDougall, who managed me forever, she'll know that I also always chased the shiny object. I was a beach body coach. I was a real estate agent. I got my yoga teacher training certificate when I was pregnant. I was always looking for that something else, right? And after having the second kid, I was like, oh no, like single sourcing, like multitasking is gone. Like now it's like mono sourcing. So like the more laser focused I got on one thing, the better I actually was at my job. I got promoted at my last job when I was nine months pregnant. And I got promoted again, almost like nine months after I came back from maternity leave. So it really was a Cinderella story, but in learning like all of these various strategies through my career. And recently since being my own entrepreneur, I realized I also have the ability to coach other ambitious professionals or entrepreneurs who are also unfulfilled in their current roles, right? And realizing their real potential and their brilliance. So what I can do is I can provide them with necessary tools and strategies to either transition from their corporate job to like a coach or a consultant and get paid what they're worth, or to really help them climb the ladder within their roles if, or to get, you know, kind of if they're looking to stay into corporate. Um, so helping them like realize their ambition and making a substantial impact. But then from that, they get the financial and personal fulfillment. And that's something that I'm super excited to really branch into. Right. You know, you, know, you bring up a very uh, good point here. Our industry is going through a ton of transformation and uh, there's a lot of expertise in the industry as the industry, I call it reskilling, retooling based on the new technology that they're coming in. There's a lot of skills such as yours they're no longer industry. So they're outside of the industry now. And in your case, you're let go from your job, but in other cases, people are just retired. They reached that uh, retirement age and then moving on. But there's a lot of expertise, knowledge left with those individuals that we can all learn from. Similar to yourself, for instance, you know, that knowledge, that expertise that you bring it back to the industry that we need to, we need to take advantage of. So to all of our viewers and I think based on the CSA research, we have approximately 19,000 companies in the industry. Um, if you need any coaching, if you need any help in revenue, which everybody tells me that the biggest problem in our industry is revenue generation. If you have revenue generation problems, if you're suffering from, you know, where's my next customers coming from? I highly encourage you to get in touch with Kristen and get her to help you out, get her to open your eyes on a new possibilities and maybe not necessarily get you a new customer, but it teaches you how. You know, teaching somebody to fish is better than to give them a fish. So um, in my opinion, and I've known Kristen for a while, this is the best thing, a small to medium-sized enterprise that can have a uh, in their kit bag, in their tools, to have a consultant like Kristen on their side doing the, uh, the things that you probably can't do internally or don't have the know-how to do it internally. Get in touch with somebody that knows how to do this. So Kristen... From that, so from that aspect, um, and, and taking it to to the next level, as you continue to evolve here, and and you know we're all a creature of learning, and and you've evidently put this together in a very astute way 
you know, we learn, you know, every new phase teaches us something. And I really want to th say thank you to Alison McDougall that connected me with you and a shout out to her. I'll, I'll tag her in this, uh, in this episode. Maybe she'll, she'll love to see both of us talking and we'll see, we'll see where she, I, I don't know what she's doing right now. We'll see where she, we'll see where that goes, but where do you see yourself like in, you know, the short term? I mean, I can't ask anybody for the long term, the long term now it's like six months. <laughs> That's a long term. So where do you see yourself? <clears throat> I mean, like leaning all the way in and just hiring team members to help and really just like do this whole thing. So I, I That's mean, what on right now, right? What's that? That's what you're focused on now and right now is that development, continue developing this and moving it forward to the next level, right? Yeah. Yes. I'll next year. I want to write another book. Um, I want to take the whole month of July off. I also want to take off between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. And because that's how people buy, people don't buy. <laughs> like people don't buy in July because everyone's on vacation and they don't buy, you know, end of year as we're all on vacation. So really trying to figure out for me how to live the most fulfilled life, serve the most number of people, right? And maintain that really healthy balance between work and life. I've got very young kids for being so old. So I have my first kid is going into kindergarten. And I always would dream when I was a W-2 employee, like what would that look like? Because obviously there's a lot of content out there now about working parents and just truly how hard it is, you know? And like, how, like could I take off at three, two o'clock in the afternoon when they're out of school? And what does that look like? So I know you said, what's your short-term goal, but like midterm, long-term goal is really to just to keep blocking time on the typical Monday through Friday calendar while continuing to serve more people and live an extremely fulfilled life. Kudos to you. Uh, raising a family nowadays is not easy uh, on working parents. Uh, we're not in the fifties or the thirties anymore where, you know, one parent, one individual worked and the rest of the family, you know, took, you know, took care of the other uh, parts of the family. This is a uh, different world now, and and kudos to you. Hats off. Got a lot of respect. I don't have kids of my own, but I got a lot of respect for uh, people who do that. You know, who's got a family. They're raising them. They have a career. They're they're maintaining their career. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, and I know some people make it look easy because they're good at what they do. It's like when somebody, when a mechanic is very good at changing your water pump in the engine. Oh, I can do that. But you try to change the water pump in the engine. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. But the uh, thank you again for your contribution to the industry. So moving along now to the industry itself. So now that you're, you, you've worked in the industry for many years, uh, you are uh, helping the industry as a consultant. Uh, if I ask you a broad question regarding what's your views on the industry uh, today and uh, how do you feel uh, about the industry? Yeah, that's a great loaded question. <laughs> you want to go more specific than that, so I'll leave it to you. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you could take that a million different ways. So in the course of my career, I learned how to be a machine translation subject matter expert. And selling machine translation was a big joy of mine. In fact, I won a award for creating... Um, the innovation framework, which was used to introduce concepts like machine translation, but I mean, we could do a whole nother session on it. It could, you could introduce anything to a client, especially a sophisticated client and use the framework to drive toward a common goal of figuring out if 
this vendor could partner with this client to serve them how they want. Um, so I think, especially now with AI, right? I mean, it's not just machine translation anymore. Now it's ChatGPT and all the other AIs and everything, everything, everything. I'm very much of on the side of the fence where people argue, listen, I came in that my role was delayed joining SDL. I first heard about it whenever, six months later, I got hired. And my boss told me it's because SDL had just acquired Trados and like, the SEC was like, you know, investigating it. So like Trados coming really large into the scene and obviously translation memory and this whole concept was, was that in and of itself going to replace the translators, right? And now like, how is AI going to impact the supply chain? I'm very much on the side of the fence that just like MT and all of the other AI now, it's aiding in the translators, being able to get back to the core of what they really love to do, which is, sub, you know, subjectively like, transcreate and and we just have more and more and more content these days right the other thing that i'm a subject matter expert in is e-learning which is also really kind of ironic with where the industry has to go and voice ai which would be considered like mt right so like voice ai and emptying your e-learning content because people don't have attention spans anymore to watch a one-hour webinar and you've got more and more and more training you need to do especially now that all employees are working from home right um compliance trainings the ethics trainings but just like training and like our how are companies, the clients spending their time, money, and effort on creating these trainings? And then how much are they spending to ask their vendor partners to translate the trainings, right? And so I see the industry embracing all of the this AI and figuring out how to offer more creatively with without losing profitability, hopefully, in fact, by gaining profitability, right? On, on how to implement ideas and concepts while leaning in to all of the new technologies. So it's kind of a long-winded answer to say I think it's I think it's embracing the the AI and the MT, and I think it's leveraging it to our best vendors as the the best of our abilities. And I think it's really looking at like huge content because like back in the day. You know, uh, 2010, 28, 2008, companies were creating software and they had like huge manuals, documentation requirements to translate. And if you got in first with that client, that's where you'd see a huge chunk of change because the documentation was so heavy that the vendors would make a lot of money translating that for these clients. But while you still see it a little, you don't see it a lot. So like, what are you seeing? You're seeing MTT and AI and like, how do you lean into that, right? And how do you just get ahead of the curve and, and use something like the innovation framework to push your ideas and your subject matter expertise to the client and buy them into this process downstream so that you can win more business and, you know, see higher profits. Right. So, and, you know, I completely agree with you that leaning in onto the new and try to make sense of it and in, in terms of developing services surrounding those technologies and offering them to your customers. I guess uh, from my perspective, that's very important for the survival of some of those companies and the industry in general. The other thing too is I'm not sure if what your comments are on this, it's just the industry in general, like I just felt this um, for many years, 
that we are a, uh, a sub-industry and a bigger knowledge-based industry. And we sort of, over the years, and, you know, not, not to, um, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's okay to do some self-criticism on in our industry or self-assessment on our industry, not criticism, just the way it is. We sort of built walls around the industry, you know, there, and it stems from, you know, the translators themselves being that, you know, translators are specialized in translation. That's the industry is trying to come out of that. But the translator is still the core uh, fundamental of our, you know, uh, of our industry. So being in a knowledge-based economy and your tiny piece of that knowledge-based economy and just, you know, if people can relate to what I'm saying right now. As an example, for instance, a company launches a project they want to do, let's say, a, you know, a mega website or medium-sized website, custom, you know, they have to hire the marketing agency, they have to hire the design agency, the content writing agency, that project would cost millions of dollars to put together. Now, at the toward the end, somebody says, oh, you know what? We need to translate this. So let's send it to the translation agency. The translation agency makes $30,000, $40,000 translating a website. So the purse size of this, it's very tiny for the language industry from the aspect of how much this organization have paid on developing a website. Again, the knowledge-based industry, it's, it's massive industry, and the localization industry in general, the L10 industry, is really focused on a sliver of that. And this is where, you know, the discussion and the and the service offering needs to, A, expand on the technology side of things, you know, offer more technologies to sustain what you currently have, but broaden the horizon as well to offer other types of services related to knowledge base that you could probably integrate not far, integrate directly into the business. People are going to say, well, that doesn't fit my business. You're in the knowledge-based industry. You hire specialists to do the work. You can hire other specialists to do the work. Yeah. You- yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's really bad. I'm like sitting here. Yes, you are obviously right. Like we are one small piece of this ma- very large ecosystem and there is millions of dollars changing hands when a company is buying a CR, uh, CMS, buying like technologies and like implementing all these processes. So yeah, it really will be a fun, like the last 20 years has been super exciting and very rewarding um, for, you know, somebody who predominantly worked on the sales side of the industry minus the NetApp stint, right? So like, it'll be really exciting to see what happens in the next 20 years and how, like you say, we continue to evolve and embrace and adapt all the new things coming our way. My last, and, and, you know, before we close it off, I'd like to ask you one question. Hopefully I don't put you on the spot, but uh, what is your best sales story? Oh, Oh man. Why can I only think of my worst sales story right (laughs) now? (laughs) Whatever comes to mind and whatever you're comfortable with. Well, I have so many sales stories, um, but really in the my last role, because I think it's more top of mind. So within the last four years, I came in um, as an account manager, which was something that was a really hard job for me to get because in the industry, sales took a split uh, about 10 years ago, where at Lionbridge, we, um, before we acquired you guys anyway, like we kept what we hunted. So we hunted and we account managed all of our accounts, right? Um, So I have so many great stories from there of just like winning accounts and getting to manage them for the length of the six years that I was there, right? Uh, Oh, 
I mean, I have so many good. So another good story, and I didn't even tell the original one. So there's two good stories. Let me tell them real quick. So one was Exact Target. They got acquired by Salesforce.com. And I really, really, I called on the Midwest software and I really wanted to work with them. And the director of documentation was like, you're not a vendor. And so I figured out by calling around the organization that they, and by reading online, that they were getting ready to go global. Um, and so I called their counsel, their legal department, and it just so happened they had contracts that they needed to translate. And that was not something that Lionbridge typically wanted, like ad hoc piecemeal transactional jobs. But I convinced the attorney, the counsel within exact to sign an MSA. Because he's the guy looking at the MSAs anyway, right? Like, yeah. he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, we'll sign the MSA. Like, yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. So I leveraged that MSA to go back to the head of documentation to be like, well, now we're a vendor and we're working with you and we have an MSA. And so she invited us to her um, RFP and we won it. So that was, that was like moments. Wow. This is this is for an answer that's just no for an answer. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And then the original story that I was thinking of was within this role, right? Um, I inherited an account and the former account manager didn't know his way around MT. He just didn't. And that's where this innovation framework really started to come to light because I inherited the account and the client is frustrated because all they've been doing is asking for MT and they're obviously bombarded by other vendors left, right, and center, right? And we this had been a client of theirs for like forever. And I was like, wait a second, we can do MT. And I took them down the process, the using the framework step by step by step to testing it, to analyzing the data, to retesting it, to looking at the results, to letting the client make the decision which languages which content groups, and that was then two and a half years in the making, and it's a successful, thriving program. Um, and it was it was really from from a, inheriting a client that was very unhappy to turning them turning him into my first ever real executive sponsor, and all of the other main stakeholders that worked there were champions and supporters. It was very very rewarding. Congratulations. Excellent two stories. I really appreciate you sharing this uh, with me and the audience, uh, Kristen. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised with all your successes. Haven't worked with you uh, before. You could tell when an individual is uh, ready and willing to do bigger and better things in their lives. And you've demonstrated this over and over again. So to all of our audience, again, if you do not have a uh, sales uh, infrastructure in place. I highly encourage you to look into building a sales infrastructure for yourselves. It'd be very good and excellent uh, and sometimes savior of an addition to your organization as the, as the industry continue going through the transformation that we're going through right now. And trust me when I say that, with all due respect to your project managers, they are not your sales team. Your sales team is a sales professional. There is a big distinction, a big difference between your project managers doing the sale and a sales professional doing the sale. So if you are in doubt, if you have questions, if you have, you know, you want to have a conversation, please reach out to Kristen. You can look her up on uh, LinkedIn um, and uh, start the conversation. This conversation here, this channel is about opening the dialogues, possibilities in our industry. It is not sponsored by anybody. It's my own personal initiative. And I felt like we should do this. I should do this. Somebody should do this. 
And not that I need another responsibility, to be honest with you, but here you go. Uh, we're taking this on and we the goal of that industry, the, the, uh, the channel here is to continue fostering conversations to open up the industries to possibilities to success for the 19,000 entrepreneurs in the industry, regardless of their location, regardless of where they are geographically. Kristen, I want to thank you for being with me on this channel today and for parting comments. Any um, before, before we close it off, anything you'd like to add to what has been said today? Well, thank you so much for having this, taking the initiative and putting together this channel and this resource, because I really think it's an amazing um, thing for our industry, right? And yeah, anybody can reach out to me on LinkedIn or hello at beabettersalesleader.com. And I'd be honored to have a dialogue to see where they are today and if I could support them. Well, I hope you get something out of this uh, conversation. I'm sure you will. Others have done uh, marvelous things resulting in this conversation. Uh, they got opportunities. They got leads out of it. I hope this opens the door for possibilities for you. Kristen, thanks so much. Great seeing you after all uh, these years. Don't be a stranger for this channel. You know, Mikasa is Sukasa. This channel is yours. Anytime you have an announcement to make or you want to have a conversation with the broader audience, you're welcome back anytime you need, anytime you feel like now I need to get the message out. Please consider us or consider this channel, your channel, uh, anytime you like. For the audience, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your listening to this podcast and viewing this YouTube video. Uh, much appreciated. If you like what we do here, please subscribe. Consider subscribing. It doesn't cost you much. Just a click of a button. Subscribe to this channel and comment and like our videos. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much again, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your day.